This episode of Primitive Culture is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the non-profit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. This is Tim Russ, Lieutenant Commander Tuvok on Star Trek Voyager, and you're listening to Trek FM. Open your mind to the past. All this may mean something. It's a primitive culture. I'm just trying to blend in. Some people think the future means the end of history. We haven't run out of history quite yet. Welcome, everybody, to Primitive Culture, a Trek FM podcast all about our history, our culture, and how Star Trek relates to it. My name is Tony Black, and I've got this weird feeling that I've lived this moment before. I'm joined by Duncan Barrett. I, you're getting a strange feeling, Duncan, that we've I, done this I before. I feel like I've been here before somehow, yeah. But, I mean, you know, but we were trying to find a place to record. I, I was leading Toadie uh, on a wild goose chase around London, and I can't, uh, not quite sure whether I, I've been to this place before or not, to be honest. <laughs> it's a weird sensation. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Primitive Culture, a Trek FM podcast all about our history, our culture, and how Star Trek relates to it. My name is Tony Black, and I've got this weird sensation that I've... I've lived this this moment before. I'm joined by Duncan Barrett. Duncan, do you feel similar? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely something going on here. I, I think we I might think. be stuck in, a, stuck in a temporal causality loop. How long do you think we've been here? <laughs> Possibly too long. <laughs> could be. Could be. I'm not going to keep doing this, guys. <laughs> That's only once. But um, this is this is actually quite a uh, special uh, primitive culture, as you can probably tell by the uh, the helicopter going by. That we're we're in the, we're live. We are sort of live from the random pub slash wine bar on the Victorian Bankments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, live, prestigious location. Live from London. Yeah, <laughs> live from um, London. Live from London. It's probably the easiest way to describe it, isn't yeah, it? We're, yeah. in a, we're in a little um, sort of alleyway with a, a, a table next to some really quite like. It's quite t- trendy bars here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think um, so. Well, we, but basically my idea was that uh, we'd go and find a quiet pub, and I, I had in mind somewhere that I thought would be very quiet, but it didn't um, factor in that today was Remembrance Sunday, and therefore yeah. every pub in central London is packed with people in military uniforms <laughs> uh, remembering their fallen comrades. <laughs> yes, uh, and downing, old staff downing, Exactly, downing several glasses of Romulan ale <laughs> while they do so. So... <laughs> We've been reduced to sitting outside in the streets yeah. in, in this we can't, uh, wine bar that's too trendy to attract the remembering types. Absolutely. We've been kicked out of the mess hall. Yeah, we have. Completely. <laughs> um, we're, um, yeah, we're podcasting um, live, as it were, although obviously it's not live, it's recorded, but it's still in the flesh, because uh, today we've got a new... Um, you may have heard this before or after this podcast because it's a, a t- podcast all about time loops who knows Duncan but, and you may hear it again you may hear it again who knows but our, our pretext is that it's our uh, podcast on director's cuts which we uh, like I said you may have may not have heard or you will be hearing soon um, which will be with several of the guests and that's another one recorded live which we'll be doing later in a way I hope this goes out like after that because it's really going to confuse everybody do you know what I mean or before that have I confused myself? Or both. Or both. <laughs> Help! We're stuck we in a just, temporal causality we'll just loop. keep releasing these two episodes yeah. for you know, the next <laughs> 17 years. 17 then, years, yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, yeah, we thought... Um, when we were... We knew we were going to do the director's cut episode. We, there's, there's a lot of helicopters, isn't there? There are, yeah. There really is a lot of helicopters. I don't know what's going on, but... Oh, God. Um, maybe Khan has broken loose. <laughs> Looking for him. But no, we were, um, when we decided to do a director's cut episode based on the fact that tonight you and I are going to see um, The Wrath of Khan, uh, director's cut premiere in mm. London um, with a few of the Trek FM folk, we decided, what else can we do? We're meeting up a bit earlier, we're going to have a drink. Uh, so we, we had a few ideas, but then after the uh, Star Trek Discovery episode, uh, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, have I got that right? I think that's right. Oh, I have, yeah. haven't I? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even in Latin. It's, <laughs> Yeah, the only episode not in Latin, yeah. basically. Um, but yeah, we thought, let's. well, you thought, actually, it was a good idea of yours, let's do an episode on time loops, mm. which 
is something all across fiction and I think it's fair to say that we didn't expect a time loop episode of Discovery, did we? I certainly didn't. No, I was thrown for a loop by this episode ah, of Discovery. I, I mean, I don't know what you thought about it. I just watched it again for the second time this morning and really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it a lot the first time. Mm. But I think the first time I was quite thrown by it because it's not what we had come to expect by no. that point. I suppose the episode before Lethe was also a bit. Is that you say? Lethe? Isn't it? Oh, I, I don't know. I've been, been wondering. Oh, no, I've been wondering for know. ages. You're probably right. <laughs> I've been wondering for ages. But yeah. Well, anyway, that, that seemed like a little bit of a departure but at the same time you know it kind of made sense it tied into uh, Burnham's backstory and the relationship yeah. with Sarah and it answered lots of questions that sort of needed answering yeah. in a way whereas this one was very much a sort of random romp it could have been from any series I mean it could have been an, almost an episode of Next Gen it, it had its discovery flavour to it I yeah. mean the way that they took that story and the things they did with it um, obviously you, you know you could see that this is a new kind of starship it's a new kind of um mm. TV in a sense, but definitely it's not what I was expecting. And I was actually really pleased because one of my big concerns about this sort of hyper serialization of TV that we have nowadays and the fact that Star Trek was going to come back in this very serialized form was that we were going to lose those kind of sort of random episodes, really. Mm. You know, whether it's kind of the comedy episodes, whether it's the kind of. Um, you know, not to say that you can't have the morality plays in a serialised structure, you can, but the kind of those very sort of self contained, perfect little, you know, mini plays almost, that yeah. we might kind of lose some of that. And I think it's been quite encouraging uh, towards the latter end of the first half of this season of Discovery that we have seen a few episodes that have kind of stepped away a little bit from the ongoing story arc and done their own thing mm. and sort of proven that it has they've made it more Star Trek-y I suppose they're kind of tied mm. into some of those things that we're used to yeah that's, that's, how, I, that's how I kind of felt really with it I, I watched it and I thought this is the most recognisable mm. I've felt the show is yet yeah, definitely um, and it was it was my favourite one I, don't, I think Leafy is uh, <laughs> is the uh, you correct us guys? I'm sure if we've got that wrong. But there you go. Um, I think that's the strongest one overall for me so far. But yeah. I think Magic to Make the Sane and Go Mad was the most fun. And I think yeah, it was, it, like you say, it felt the most Star Trek. It felt the most tuned into that kind of storytelling because it it has that you know classic sort of science fiction element to it. Mm. But it's, it is also a little bit funny. Harry Mudd, much as he's a little bit I suppose darker in this incarnation. He's still played for comedy. Yeah. You know, there is yeah. still that comedy. And, and the ending of that episode is pure 1960s, where mm. he ends up with the Baron, who comes yeah, in, and his totally. daughter. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that is the most 1960s sort of retro sort of thing ever, yeah. I, I think they, they've done. Definitely. So I think, in that sense, I think it, it, worked, it worked really well as a real kind of romp. But yeah. the key thing, why it was so good, and I think why it sort of shows almost the evolution of how a time loop story can be done, is that it managed to do a lot of character work with yeah. Burnham. Definitely. and Tyler and you know, Stamets and these characters and that's not something you always get in a time loop episode obviously because of the very nature mm. of a repeating yeah. set of ideas well it's very much I mean if you do compare it to cause and effect the next generation episode which I think is actually a great next generation episode I mean a lot of people have said it's one of their favourites you know and it's very much a kind of it's a mystery it's an adventure it's it's one of those episodes that's not really about anything kind of profound necessarily it's just a good story and it's a really good ensemble story yeah. cause and effect I think and it plays to a lot of next gen strengths it has got character in there it's got kind of charm it's got the kind of mystery it's got this idea of everyone working together but you're right it doesn't have what the Discovery episode has in terms of really tying this into a kind of meaningful ongoing mm. story and also I think not just the relationship between Burnham and, and uh, Tyler but also the relationship between Burnham and Stamets a lot of the nicest scenes in that episode are, are Stamets' scenes I mean yeah. in some ways it's his episode I think because yeah. you know although he's kind of gone completely nuts basically by, by, by what he's been going Who through knows what's going on. which puts him in the kind of you know the Bill Murray in Groundhog Day role in the kind of role of the guy who's yeah. going around going through this loop and the effect that that has on someone mentally which obviously is what the title kind of alludes to but actually it brings out this much softer side of his character you know we have these lovely scenes the, the scenes that he has with Burnham in the corridor where he's you know finding out she's never been in love where they're holding hands they're dancing together all this stuff that um you know, really gives us a different insight into his character, I think, um, and a different flavour somehow uh, to the episode than anything that we've had from Discovery so far. It, it's what what I think surprises me. Well, yeah, I completely agree. But what I think surprises me is managing to do that in a story like this. Mm. You know, and it, it, it's because you'd think it would be harder 
in some respects to write this kind of character story inside an episode that is ha- is ha- hung on this very science fiction trope. Yeah, know, and this and it, it, I mean for me, it's very cleverly written. You know, it's very cleverly put together, and it is yeah. very different from cause and effect. It is, yeah. Which, like you said, is is, is you're, not, you're not really about anything, and it is hung on that. It's a premise. It's, it's like a, a size, it's a Brown and Braga. It's a sort of yeah. classic Brown and Braga episode. It's a it's a interesting kind of mind bleeping. Yeah. premise uh, executed very well you, you yeah. know the, the story works very well it's, but it's you know it's like the, a lot of his great episodes it's kind of you know all the pieces are kind of moved around in the right way and it, yeah. it's satisfying the story but it's not yeah it doesn't have that kind of beating heart in a way that in some ways the Discovery episode does kind of add something to that I think no it does because cause and effect is hung really on you know, the, the beauty of that episode is that it's hung on one decision yeah. that's made essentially at the end which is yeah. <laughs> whether or not to go with what Data says or what Riker says and that, that's, that, that's the beauty of that the whole thing hangs on that tiny little tweak yeah. and that's all it takes it takes a little tweak it takes that moment to go oh no don't do this and that, that lovely idea that it actually wants not Data who's right which, yeah. which I think is also the other thing they like doing in that you know normally Picard but logically is always going to go with what Data says because Data can compute yeah. and more likely has the, the fastest quickest you know, easier answer of how it's going to work, mm. and in this case, he's wrong, and, yeah. that, and that's why it's so good that it takes you know putting it through that loop. It's interesting it's, though. It's very fact, good. I think that I've always thought it's strange the fact that it's the number three, and the fact that the three represents the fact that he's outranked. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He's literally there's an element where I think that episode is sort of almost saying like back in your place data you know <laughs> this, is, this is the first officer and his suggestion is bit. better than yours yeah. even though you're right we sort of assume that data's suggestion is going to be better because yeah. he's much smarter and, yeah. you know etc but um, ultimately yeah it turns out that Riker is the one who's who's kind of made the right call and yeah. there is something I always thought that was weird because they're you know why, why is it these pips it seems quite it sort pips? of random and I get from a kind of real world perspective it's because the number you, you know it, it allows more possibilities than if it was a word like you know will or, or, or whatever yeah. then it, it might Shuffle who knows back. how that would yeah <laughs> how that would play out in this weird sort of unconscious That's way whereas the three it's, it's abstract enough that I suppose it can play out in all these different ways but at the same time it does make me think you know from Data's perspective why is he why is why is that the thing that he notices? He notices these three pips the rather three than pips. anything else about Riker or about could the situation. Be. You know, that's the interesting way of reading it. Actually, it could be about status. It could be mm. about rank. It could be about yeah, learning that sometimes Riker is right. And what does it mean that Picard automatically discounts his yeah. first officer's advice yeah. and follows Data's follows advice? Data. You know, yeah, who who should be in that job? Yeah, yeah. You know? Although um. I've got to say, watching it, <laughs> I kept. I I would have been really. It's 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 a good job he's an android because if I'd have had Riker's you know, Riker manoeuvre foot with my, his crotch <laughs> basically in my face. Who knows what he might have um, yeah, said be really for the next... Um, <laughs> do you think he'd have done that with Roe? I'm not sure. It's just, no. All the way over, so watching it, I'm thinking, yeah. you know... A bit Riker. of man-spreading yeah. going on there. <laughs> Very. Yeah. The, the, the Riker manoeuvre. One, yeah. one of the Riker manoeuvres. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he directs that as well, doesn't he, Jonathan? He does, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he does so a very good job. Brandon Barber writes it, but yeah, yeah, he does do a really good job. It's, it's, it, it is... It is one of the episodes I remember, actually. Yeah. Of, of all the Next Generation episodes, it is one of the ones that always sticks in my head because it's very simply done, very well executed. And it's, I think what I liked about it, and this is something that Discovery didn't do because it's... It, in, in, I don't think it did anyway because it's geared more towards being a, a story in itself. But cause and effect, every single time, they clearly filmed it again because the, it's not just the same delivery. You know, it's the same lines in many respects, but if you if you watch those loops again and again, you can tell they've refilmed those scenes. And they well, it's interesting because apparently I was reading that um, apparently Rick Berman said they didn't want to reuse. They, it was a rule he couldn't reuse any footage right. because people would think it was they were being cheap, basically. Right. So they did, apparently they did sometimes have several cameras on the same. So they so it actually might be the same the same shots being, oh, right, being okay, recorded, but from different yeah. angles or from you know, and obviously the editing and everything. But yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that's interesting about that episode and that shows how well directed it is. Is that it doesn't, it's not boring at any point. And there is a danger, I think, when you start repeating dialogue like that, it can get very boring. Yeah. And obviously, partly it's to do with finding different ways of presenting it. Partly, I think like with the Discovery episode, there's a lot of 
fast tracking through stuff so you yeah. kind of catch the end of a conversation you've heard before or the beginning of the next one or whatever yeah, yeah. and you kind of it's it's edited quite fast so that you yeah. speed through stuff but you get that even I mean say in Groundhog Day you get the same thing but in a kind of for comic effect rather yeah. than kind of dramatic tension where you know there'll be a scene that takes five minutes the first time you see it and then you see the sort of two second version it's of that scene rapidly. and it's kind of the same things can happen each time but at the same time it's like you kind of skip to the punchline almost yeah. a joke in each occasion and, and it kind of keeps that pace up they do that a little bit in cause and effect I mean mm. they, they do actually replay scenes quite a lot in that but mm. there's occasional things like with Beverly in a you know in a quarters dropping vases or whatever she's doing they, they only read that once and then you you hear it off, off yeah. you know when it's with another scene but you know they do they don't rush through it in order to get tons and tons of plot in it they're very they're, it's, it's very carefully staged so you notice the slight differences you notice them genuinely putting this together and so but at the same time by the end I don't you don't feel like it's a waste you feel like there's been a good premise told you feel like yes. it's nothing no one's essentially developed in terms of character but you mm. feel like you've got a, you've got a well told story yeah. and, the, and obviously the punchline at the end being Kelsey Grammer yeah <laughs> <laughs> kind of kind of makes it worth it doesn't it really yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you get that nice little moment at the end where they, you realise they've been trapped for like 80 years in, yeah, yeah. or 90 years or whatever it is yeah but and they did a follow-up book, didn't they? Of that called Ship of the Line. They did, yeah. With, I uh, read that, but Captain yeah, I haven't yeah, really know. But yeah. uh, I'm sure the literary tricks guys could uh, definitely. Or the old Earl Grey guys, they were always talking about ah, Ship of the Line. There you go, yeah. Ship of the Line. <laughs> you need um, to get them back. Yeah, yeah, get them back. <laughs> um, but what, what do you think it is? I mean, we'll come back probably to Discovery and maybe Cause and Effect. But what do you think it is about time loop stories, Duncan? I mean, because because they're all over fiction and they have mm. been for. For ages, you know, going back to like the Twilight Zone in the fifties and sixties, and you know, films like Groundhog Day you've mentioned. Mm. Why is it? Do you think that they they're so popular and they've stayed around? I don't know. I suppose it, I think it's quite a versatile concept in some ways, in that you can play it. I mean, you can play it for comedy, as in Groundhog Day. You can play it for suspense. I mean, another film I was watching this week was Source Code, which is very yeah. kind of suspenseful. Yeah, very. Yeah. Um, there's there's also an element of one of the things that's interesting about it is that it, it inherently lowers the stakes, which you'd think would be a problem because you have people getting killed over and over again and you know they're not really dead. And yeah. so, you know, even in something like Source Code, that train blows up, you know, 15 times yeah. or something and you kind of know it's not quite it's not quite final. Um, there's an element, I feel like, watching a lot of these things, you sort of... It feels very much like when you play a computer game. Do you know what I mean? And there's that yeah. element of... There's the kind of... Yes, there's a the tension. You want to get through this thing, but you die in a different way and then you come back and you try again <laughs> and then you try again and you try again yeah, and you try again. Yeah, but I suppose there are, like, looking at it more seriously, there are kind of more serious kind of metaphysical issues going on. I mean, in Groundhog Day, I'd sort of forgotten this until I watched it again this week. You know, I kind of remembered all the funny, light-hearted stuff and the kind of scroogey storyline where he becomes a better person and so on. But there's a really dark section in the middle of that film where he becomes very depressed, he tries to... He kills himself multiple times, yeah. and it's sort of played for last, but at the same time, you basically get this suicide after suicide after suicide. And it's only really where he's absolutely got to rock bottom that then he starts to sort of build himself up again and become this better person. It's not like... I mean, much more so than Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. You know, he yeah. really... You know, he becomes this sort of fatalistic, suicidal, desperate man. Um, and, and you see that as well in... Uh, I, I, apparently, the... the well, I don't know if it's actually the first, but one of the earliest sort of known examples of this loop, time loop storytelling is this uh, story from, I think, 1990, so a few years before Cause and Effect, called 12.01pm. Uh, and it was a short story um, written by a guy who was published in a science fiction magazine and then made into a short film um, starring, funnily enough, Kurtwood Smith, who was, amongst other things, Anorax in Year of Hell. Year Ironically, of hell. someone who yeah. you know, goes round and round in, in a time loop, <laughs> in a sense. Um, <clears throat> And basically, he's this guy... It's a very kind of... Uh, if you've read a lot of Philip K. Dick, it's very much that kind of milieu of sort of that kind of sci-fi story. He's like, a, a you know, an ordinary sort of office worker or whatever, and he gets stuck in this time loop. And it's called 1201 because he resets by 59 minutes, and it goes on forever, and there's no escape, and it kind of drives him mad. But at one point, he said something quite interesting in the story, which they use again in the short film, uh, which is he, he says, well, at least it's, you know, at least it's an hour. I can do something with an hour. You know, I can, you know, go and have lunch. I can do something. If it was five minutes, it would drive me mad. And then he says, if it was a second, that would be hell. And it's that idea that I Actually, which comes yeah. up in Groundhog Day as well, is it's kind of like at first it seems like, well, this is quite exciting. You can't die. You kind of your options are open to you. You know, Bill Murray in that film, he kind of makes the most of it. He goes and gorges yeah. himself. He goes seducing all these women. He he does all these sort of inappropriate things. He gets in trouble with the police, etc. Because he knows there's no consequences to anything. 
but at the same time after a certain point he's trapped in this sort of time bubble and there's there's also this connection between the fact that in that film it's set in this small town where nothing really happens and also where the only thing that happens is they have this ridiculous ceremony once a year and it repeats and it's the same every year and it's been the same for 50 years or whatever so there's definitely this kind of theme of the kind of smallness of life and the sort of pettiness of life and at one point when he's out drinking with these two guys he meets at the bowling alley uh, he, he says to them I think you know I'm stuck in this loop it's the, every day's the same nothing ever changes and one of them says you know yeah I can relate to that that's what my life's like too and I think there is that sort of element you know that's one way of looking at these stories is they kind of capture something about the kind of routinization of, of daily life particularly you know modern you know you know, you go to an office, you do your job, you come home. There's, there is that kind of repetition, monotony. the monotony, yeah. exactly, and how soul destroying that is. And you know, and look at even in the discovery episode, you get you know, Stamets is basically being driven mad by it because yeah. it's a, uh, you, you know, it, it's an inescapable. It's like it's like a trap. It is like a hell. You can't get out of it. You can't if you can't break the loop. You're trapped there forever trapped. potentially. And, and knowledge of it. I mean, that, and yeah. that's that's the key thing. Yeah. Knowledge of what's going on. You know, if, if and this is this is what the difference with cause and effect is that it takes them a while for any of them to really... You know, they, they equate it to deja vu, which yeah. is like that classic feeling. And they, they say it in the episode, don't they? They say, um, deja vu is when you only think that you're... You, you, this is happening. This actually is to us. We actually yeah. are going through this. But it takes them a while. And then it obviously it ultimately takes sending messages to each other, mm-hmm. you know, in the loop. But the difference with Stamets is that he, he knows and he, he is Bill Murray. He is, he is in that Groundhog Day thing yeah. where he is living it and he's aware. And that, that isn't changing. And then eventually Burnham gets in the same position where she becomes yeah. aware so they it's not like in cause and effect where they wake up and they, they have to learn it again in a way yeah. or they know fragments or they hear voices this case they wake up oh it's, someone knows they know sure exactly yeah, somebody knows exactly. yeah absolutely and it, yeah, yeah. it's not all of them but somebody knows what's someone going knows, on yeah. and obviously with Discovery Harry Mudd knows because he's yeah. instigating it and that's the big difference and that's something I haven't really seen before in Time no, stories in that way. The fact that there's an antagonist working it. Yeah. Although, funnily enough, in Doctor Strange, you have that as well. That's true. That's you know, true. It's Doctor Strange who uses it himself to kind of yeah. trap the villain in a sense. Yeah. But yeah, definitely the idea, and I suppose it affects it, doesn't it? You know, because with cause and effect, it's very much like they know there's, once they work it out, they know there's this problem. They don't quite know why it's happened. They have to, it's very much like the salute. They have to solve the problem and get out of the time loop. Yeah. With Groundhog Day, it, it, I mean, really, it's obviously, a obviously it's, him, in, isn't it? it's, it's, it's sort of implied. It's like it's kind of magic, isn't it? You mm. know, and he, he needs to learn a lesson, and it's kind of trapped him. It's like a spell that's broken yeah. at the end when he, he falls in love and becomes yeah. a better person or whatever. But exactly, yeah, it's whimsical. It's not. There's no attempt to explain it. No. And apparently, actually, the screenwriter of Groundhog Day resisted the the studio when they wanted to make the film. They wanted to put in a scene where a gypsy comes and curses him to right. sort of explain what happened. Okay. And he basically like said, that I, I, I don't, "Yeah, well, exactly." <laughs> but you know, he, he was just. Yeah. Like, I don't care. I don't. You know, yeah. it doesn't need explaining. That's that's not really that's, what the film is. No. That you sort of you have to accept that for the film to yeah. to make sense. And you you know you go along with it. You don't really care who who has engineered this. But certainly with the discovery example, the fact that it's someone actually doing it for a purpose and they're you know it, it, it's deliberate mm. it does make a difference. It yeah. does make a difference. I've, I've got to say, Harry Mudd's whatever it was called, time. Time something wasn't yeah. it? He, he, gave it, he gave it a name. Time that thing on his wrist. Yeah, the thing on his yeah. wrist. The time yeah, yeah, yeah. thing on his wrist. <laughs> <The> crystals. <laughs> yeah, time crystals. Yeah, that's it. That that to me that was a very that felt a very Doctor Who kind of idea actually. It was yeah. it was something like a gizmo, a MacGuffin, a gadget that allows him to do this. You know, very you know quite huge thing in, in many yeah. respects. Actually yeah, yeah. managing to you know sort of reset and put things in a loop. Yeah. But you know, in most of the other examples, like you said, it is yeah. usually a an unknown sort of reason or it's, yeah. it's not specifically a, a, you know, or it's like a, in cause and effect it's a sort of spatial phenomenon yeah, 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 of some kind yeah, yeah, isn't it yeah, it's, yeah. A, you know, it's an interaction of yeah. whatever they're doing with, with this particular area of space yeah, yeah. and it's kind of physical properties yeah. that has caused it and so, yeah. and so there's there is a cause but it's not really again it's not really the point and that, that, that is ultimately the point of these things is that there is the point is always to tell another story. It, it's mm. never usually about the fact that time is looping. It's more about what impact does this have on on these characters. And that, I suppose that's where cause and effect is different in the sense that it kind of is that they're just stuck in a groove. Yeah, you know. Um, and again, in some respects, you could say the same about um, the X Files when they did one called Monday. Mm. And I think Mulder actually describes it as stuck in a groove. Yeah, um, you know, needle stuck in a groove. It's that idea that you know, in that sense, it's about a bank robbery and that goes wrong, and they end up dying. The bank explodes, and then 
the day repeats. It's the, it's, the, it's the same thing you would get in all of these, and they play out similar scenes in different ways, where it's more going to cash his, you know, his wages or whatever, or you know. But the this. fact that he has to do that, and the fact that it's called Monday, I think is significant as well, because it definitely ties into that idea of the mundane. The mundane. I mean, there's, yeah. I don't think there's. Well, you, you can tell me, but I, I, I'm not aware of any other episode of the X Files where Mulder has to go and cash a check. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's the Bank kind of note. very. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the, the level of kind of mundane, to, and, and they spend half the episode in this really tedious meeting, yeah. which again is not something that we see really no. in X Files. It's like it, that's something that we can relate to in our own lives if we have an office job and we have to put up with tedious meetings. Yeah. And, it, and you, you know, and the fact that it has to be Monday morning, it's not, you know, it's not Friday it's morning. Not Friday. It's definitely tied into the idea of the kind of cyclical monotony of, you know, every Monday morning is Groundhog Day if yeah. you're in a job that you despise. If you you're know. in that, yeah. yeah. And, and even even for the most exciting jobs, and you know, they, yeah. much as much as you know, they're constantly beaten down by you know powers that be. They do have quite an exciting job. They do. You know, they, they're they're yeah. off exploring all kinds <laughs> of weird and wonderful stuff. Yeah. But yeah, not every day is them going off and fighting an alien shapeshifter. Some days they have to cash their check. They have a very boring meeting about whatever, and that's it. You know, yeah. it's not they're not always doing these things, and that's yeah. what's quite nice about to do the filing. It's not someone, filing yeah, going exactly. In the office. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who, when does that? Get done? Do <laughs> Who does the X? See, that should be a spin off the X filing. <laughs> maybe they've got a temp. Who does the filing? Maybe we've never met her though. Yeah. <laughs> New series, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? There you go. You see, when they age out of the roles, they can, you can, can work up to that one. <laughs> Oh, if only. But then, again, these, yeah. you, you don't see these mundane things. No. In, in, and I suppose that's what time loop episodes get, or time loop films get to do, is that they they do get to show those angles. And I suppose as well, you know, you mentioned earlier, that sometimes tonally there's differences. Mm. Like Groundhog Day is played for comedy. Source Code is very is a thriller, mm. you know, and it is mm. about there's a lot of themes going on there about terrorism and stopping, you know, mm. uh, that that kind of thing. There's a lot. There's a lot there. And, and the exploitation of you know military people and all kinds of stuff going yeah. on in that film it's a very very different kind of message to something like Groundhog Day with the whimsy or, or the very science fictional needle stuck in a groove kind of thing yeah. and, and so it, it's quite a varied genre it is some genre yeah. Yeah, and no, it is definitely. I mean, I think it's it's interesting. Even cause and effect, I suppose you have an element of that kind of mundane level of daily life. You know, you've got the card game, you've got Beverly cutting her plant. Everyone's sort of on their off hours, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, and then in Discovery, you've got this party, which I mean, it's kind of that almost is, I suppose, an encapsulation of like Next Gen versus Discovery. You know, in Next Gen they have a quite genteel card game around the poker table. <laughs> There's a little bit of teasing back and forth, but that's as yes. far as it goes. In Discovery, you it's this really sort of yeah, exactly. <laughs> Discovery, it's this kind of boozy, raucous, yeah. wild party. Unlike anything we've seen in Star Trek Absolutely. before. Uh, yeah. you, you know, it kind of shows you where we've come to. It's more like Kirk in the bar in Star Trek. Yeah, exactly. Oh nine, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah, 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 yeah. But it's that but same yeah. idea. It's people in their off time. It's the kind of da- it's the daily life. You know, it's, it doesn't actually happen in the middle of a crisis or in the middle of something no. major. It happens when you know Picard's reading his book and Beverly's tending her flowers and everyone's you know doing their own yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and then thing. they kind of realise that you know it is so different. Something wrong. You just go in there. <laughs> Beverly's tending her flowers. Yeah. Nice Picard Picard's reading a nice book. Yeah. It's all very sedate. Yeah. Whereas in yeah, Discovery, Tilly's like woo. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And there's <laughs> snogging all over the yeah. shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, surely some people must have had problems with that. I mean, it was a very 21st century party in a 23rd yeah. century yeah. setting. I, but again, it, you know, it's reflective of of, rea- of reality. And you know, I liked it. I, I enjoyed it. it. But I think yeah. it's true. I think some people felt it was. Um, people were like, why would they be playing these songs? You know, these songs would have gone out of fashion. You know however many centuries before or whatever I don't know and I do I sort of get that but at the same time I don't really care but, I mean, with, but, 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 ah, but with that would they I mean will they have done I mean I'm not entirely sure that in 2250 people won't still be playing the Beatles or Spice mm. Girls or you know whatever I, I, I suspect they might be because I don't think music is necessarily going to change that much but will they be playing you them know? the way that we play Vera Lynn or will they be playing them the way that we play the Rolling Stones? Do you know what I mean? I guess. Well, I mean, that, that's the question, I suppose. And I, so I do I do sort of appreciate... But at the same time, it's kind of an impossible... That's an impossible situation, isn't it? And, you, you know, we see, the, we see the same thing with, like, alien music or whatever. I mean, when Clara and I were talking about music in Star Trek yeah. way back... You know, we were talking about, like, Klingon opera and all these sort of attempts to do alien music. It's sort of the same thing. Like, how... Yes, you can have a degree of... That is their job as writers to imagine stuff, yeah. 
but at the same time, someone in a way, like someone imagining futuristic music, that's quite cheesy and is going to date it anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, pretty what, much, what you yeah. think is futuristic music in the... I mean, even just look at the set design or whatever. What you think is the future in the 60s compared to what do you think is the future in the 90s compared to what do you think is the future now, you know. There's no, way, there's no way... To, exactly, there's no way to get it right. It's going to seem dated anyway. So in some ways, maybe you might as well go for it and make keep, it fun, you know. Keep doing it, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. But I, th- I think... It, 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 like you say it does come down to different versions of that day you know and exploring that day whether mm. it's a party whether it's a card game whether it's a a boring day at the office yeah and I think that's what it, it, it is I suppose it's that that existential fear in a way isn't mm. it what if you got trapped yeah. in the worst day you could you know what yeah. what what if and everyone thinks that you know they, they all get to the end of some. sometimes you get to the end of a day and you go oh my god thank god yeah. that day is over what would happen? How would you feel if you woke up and you, had, you knew you had to go through all that again? Well, in order to, even, you know, I mean, in Groundhog Day, Bill Murray says, he says at one point, you know, why does it have to be this day? And he says, you know, there was this day, you know, how many years ago where he, he met this woman in Mexico and they went and had sex on the beach. And all this <laughs> stuff, you know, he was like, why can't I live that day? Yeah, but yeah, even if you live yeah. that day again and again, after a while, wouldn't it become unbearable? I mean, it, it, isn't yeah. it partly unbearable just because no one else knows what's going on and therefore you're, you're kind of completely isolated? You might as well be delusional and imagining the whole thing because to all intents and purposes, it's a bit like Beverly Crusher. Again. A bit like Beverly Crusher in the uh, Remember Me, you know, with it. But, yeah. I mean, even if she's right and everyone else is wrong, whatever the answer is, it's kind of like you're cut off from everyone somehow. Yeah. And I suppose the other question is, you know, thinking about the length of these time loops, one of the things that's interesting, I mean, cause and effect actually doesn't have a specific length time loop. You know, um, magic to make the sanest man go mad is 30 minutes. They've got a set time. Source code, it's eight minutes. Groundhog Day, obviously, it's a day. Uh, 12.01, it's 59 minutes, basically an hour. Cause and effect, I suppose, is the odd one out, in a sense, in that it's the ship exploding that resets the clock. And obviously the ship explodes at the same time, we assume, each time, but there's no... There's, there's no awareness of that kind of clock ticking down and we're going to reset again and we're yeah. going to reset again each yeah. time. There's kind of, at some point, and that's why there's this sort of discussion about second-guessing ourselves, at some point something's going to happen, we're going to make either the right or the wrong decision and we have to try and do something else. And it's sort of the same thing that happens in all good things as well. Mm. With the anomaly, there's this kind of like, well, what do we do? Do we go towards it? Do we go away from it? Do we fire this thing at it? Do, do, do you know what I mean? Do, what, yeah. what do we do? Because we know that we did it wrong before, but how do we know that we didn't know that we did it wrong before and that's yeah. why we didn't do it wrong? You know, and it's kind of that's the loopiness of it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I suppose, yeah, and I suppose that gets into the whole idea that I mean, if you look at something like Groundhog Day, mm. if you if you were to try and find a meaning in it, you could almost say that uh, God is trying to make this man realise, mm. you know, where he's gone wrong, yeah. and he's trapping him in this repeating day until he realises what he needs, how he needs to change. You know, there's that great. I don't know exactly how long it is, but it's, I'm sure there's that great thing that somebody's worked out that he's in there for essentially about 10,000 years. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, because he, he learns all these skills. I mean, yeah. that's one thing. is, And that, that's an indication of, like, what can you do with time? And I suppose that's what, that's what initiates his kind of coming out of this kind of depressive yeah. situation, is that he sort of... He decides to make the most of it, almost, and he decides, well, okay, I can learn to play the piano, I can learn to... Yeah. He becomes an ice sculptor. You know, and there is that kind of thing people say about, well, to be a, an, an expert in anything, it only takes however many, yeah. whatever it is, like 5,000 hours, or, you know, I don't know what the amount is, but... So, yeah, you could sort of time it based on that and yeah. work it out. And in some ways, I think that's quite relatable. I mean, I've just, uh, a couple of days ago, sent my book that I've been writing off to the publishers to typeset i was up all night on the last night kind of desperately trying to talk so you know i was trying to fiddle with this and tweak this yeah. and so so i can relate to that idea of not having enough time and like what would you do if you had kind of unlimited time you yeah. could you you could be anyone you could do anything and that's sort of what bill murray realizes in that film in a mm. sense is that he's because he's he's not really trying to break the curse he's not he's, i don't think he's even really aware that he might be able to break yeah. the curse. he's kind of just accepts it and he's decides accepting. to make the yeah. most of yeah. it yeah. Yeah. and that's what enables him to to become a better person but the other element is you know I was watching it with my girlfriend she said well he's basically grown up um, and that's what it is he's this very yeah. immature character at the beginning and she was sort of saying you know everyone goes through that process as they get older you know they start off being quite selfish and they start mm. off kind of you know using other people and they do you know what I mean all these kind of things that you know you're hopefully more oblivious to things exactly and yeah. you're more sort of self-absorbed yeah. and more kind of self-interested and hopefully as you grow older you become you know really with Bill Murray in that film it's much more about 
by the end of the film he's thinking about other people he's yeah. not really living for himself he's not uh, glutting himself on food or sex or whatever it is anymore he's trying to help different people and he really you know he's just living for other people by mm. the end of it and that's mm. what seems to be able to kind of break the spell um, and in a way there is an element of that I suppose that he's he's sort of setting aside his childish immature kind of personality yeah. to some extent and becoming more of a kind of it was quite funny I sort of felt watching so he basically becomes Tom Hanks by the end of the film he sort of starts off as Bill Murray and ends up <laughs> as Tom Hanks in like any Tom Hanks film ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's true he's got a nice it's folksy a guy who <laughs> helps people out yeah the kind of, or the kind of guy you want to meet yeah. yeah the kind of guy who could be in Star Trek yeah you know. nice, nice tie back yeah. to the uh, Star Trek stuff yeah. but, but, it, but no you're right it's that whole idea of you know, the, the moral side of it you know if, if you had this kind of unlimited, you know, opportunity to relive something and do, you know, I mean, yeah, you've only got a day, but if you had that, what choices are you going to make? You know, are you going to make the right choices? Are you going to are you going to think about what you do? Are you going to are you going to do good things? Are you going to do bad things? There's a really good show um, that's a, that's essentially based around a time loop element called Daybreak. Have you ever, have you ever come across this show? It was, this isn't like ITV's uh, <laughs> early morning programming, no. Thank God, no. But I think right. they may, I don't think they got the uh, the title from this. Okay. I'd imagine I'd be surprised. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it was from like 2006, okay. and it's, it's a really good, under, probably underseen in the UK show. Mm. Um, there was one season, and it was essentially this uh, cop played by Tay Diggs who. Uh, wakes up to find his, his girlfriend has been murdered mm. and he, or his wife has been murdered and he's the prime suspect and he has to try and, and figure out um, who did it every day though he wakes up and it happens again right so and he, every day he can't <coughs> prevent her dying it, it kind of starts at the point where she's dead right and and all through the all through the season it's been a long time since I watched it I tried to buy you couldn't get it in the UK um, I bought a region one copy put it in my DVD player when I got home from America and it blew up oh, wow. <laughs> probably, probably a bit stupid of me but I thought it'll work this, it'll be fine this DVD will self-destruct <laughs> before viewing yeah. essentially yeah, yeah. Um, but if you can get hold of it it's very right. good because, okay. because it is that whole thing he goes through an entire season of 13 episodes and each day he remembers what happened before and he has to try and piece together a conspiracy but every day he wakes up and he sort of has to start again and, and it's, a, it's a great idea and in that sense it's, it's about somebody who's accused of something terrible and having to prove A, he didn't kill her and mm. find out who did and it's a really, really inventive use of the time loop idea in, a, in an ongoing series and it's a shame we haven't seen mm. more mm. stuff along those lines actually taking the time loop concept and making it into a season, yeah. or a series-long idea. You know, what, what could you what could you do with that? And w- but without it being repetitive. I mean, that's exactly. always the danger, yeah. isn't it? Is it becomes repetitive, and you, you know, which I suppose is why you do have to have techniques to kind of barrel through stuff. You do have to kind of think about the editing. You do have to think how do I tell this story without it becoming repetitive yeah. and boring. To challenge. But, I mean, it's interesting. I suppose one of the things that struck me is. Although, say, if you have this time loop, you have this idea of no consequences. So you have, you can kill people. I mean, you know, even in the Discovery episode, everyone dies horrifically several times. I mean, cause and effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Cause and effect, famously, you know, that cold opens, cause and effect. It's probably the best cold open in Star Trek. You know, one of the best cold opens ever, because it's just so bold. And the only time I can think of they topped it was in the Enterprise episode where they blew up the Earth. And that was, you know, that's (laughs) Bannon Braga kind of basically topping his own record almost, I think, of like, you know. Next stop, the cosmos. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, you know, um, but at the same time, so the fact that there's no consequences, it means that any bad things you do, you don't have to live with the consequences of them. So you can go and, you know, you can eat, like the woman says in Groundhog Day, you can eat loads of food and you won't get fat. You won't, you you know, you're not going to suffer from it. You can um, do things that are illegal and, yeah, you might be in a prison cell for a couple of hours, but that's the worst. You can do something dangerous and get yourself killed and you'll wake up the next day, etc. On the other hand, actually anything good that you do also gets wiped out so yeah. you know all these people that Bill Murray is helping he has to help them every day yeah. because he helps them one day and then if he doesn't do exactly the same thing the next day they're going to die or, oh. or lose their thing or you know the dog will get run over or whatever it yeah, is yeah, that he's yeah, helping yeah. them yeah. out with yeah. um, so there's that weird that almost becomes a kind of trap in itself of like you know uh, yeah, you might think, oh, okay, I've got all this infinite time. I can do, you know, I can, I can do, help people in all these different ways. But every day that you don't help that, you know, you help this person, you're not helping that person. And yeah. what are you going to do? Which, again, I suppose could, you could see as a sort of metaphor for life. You know, you have to make these decisions and you can't do everything. You know, you, you, you don't have unlimited time. You don't have unlimited yeah. opportunities. You do kind of have to 
make these decisions one way or another. Well, you feel a real sense of futility. Mm. I mean, and like you said, you get yeah. to that point, Grand Old Day is the, is the example. You'd feel that real sense of futility that what is the point? Yeah. You know, and, and I suppose that that's why. You know, time is one of the most the, the very concept of time is one of the most interesting things about existence and about mm. life itself which is why people play with the idea of time so much in fiction because mm. it is a fascinating idea it is that idea what would you do if you had all the time in the world what would you do if, yeah. if you had a day to repeat but if you found yourself feeling like there is no point to anything yeah. then that, that's a big <laughs> existential problem you know, what, is the, what is the reason to keep going you know, one of the reasons that as human beings, we find that reason is because time is in a line, yeah. and that there is ultimately an endpoint, and that you know you wake up tomorrow and it will be a different set of circumstances. Even if even if you have that same mundane week, you know, and every Monday mm. you go and cash a check, or every Monday you have that meeting, mm. not, that meeting isn't going to go exactly the same way every week. There mm. will be differences. There will be inflections. That's true. If even though you are stuck in that routine, you're not stuck in the groove, and that's the big difference, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Really? Funnily enough, one of the things I really liked about the X-Files episode Monday is that it doesn't play out exactly the same each time. Whereas, say, cause and effect is very much the emphasis on, like, yeah, the glass always breaks and so on. And, you know, yes, they, they realise stuff, so obviously that changes things slightly. But because a lot of the lines are the same. Exactly, a lot yeah. of the lines are the same. Yeah. And you see that in Discovery as well. It's basically, it is like a loop going around. Yeah. Whereas in the X-Files episode, there's this kind of interesting sense that they're variations on a theme so even yeah. something like you see the guy write the because he's robbing a bank you see him write the note saying you know hand over the money and he sort of writes it slightly differently each time mm-hmm. and you know things like Mulder always his waterbed springs a leak and he gets water <laughs> everywhere and he traipses around his apartment you know yeah. bashing into things and causing mayhem but the way that that happens happens slightly it differently changes. do you know what I mean does he trip over this thing or does he fall on the, you know yeah. the kind of and even the dialogue, it's kind of, it goes along similar lines, but there are maybe different jokes in there or whatever. And yeah. I quite liked all of that. I mean, it, obviously, it's a way of keeping it fresh and avoiding it yeah. seeming too repetitive. But there's something, I suppose, that kind of counteracts the idea of this sort of fatalistic, uh, existentially alarming loop effect. You know, the fact that even outside of the things that the person who's aware of it can change different elements seem there to just I suppose just like yeah exactly like a you know a raindrop going down a window or something it, it could go this way it could go that way maybe it yeah. maybe if you reset time it wouldn't do the it same thing the same again thing. I don't know but well, you always of, end up at the same point you always end up at the same point because you know, the always, kind of bigger forces I suppose yeah. are going in the same direction yeah. but within that there's some degree of free will and some degree of kind of random yeah. random and ra- you know random chance I suppose is key to a lot of these stories I mean I think that's why you see this idea of playing cards you know, that's why you get the poker game mm. in the next gen episode yeah. you know because the playing cards represent what should be a totally random sequence you know they've been shuffled and they even talk about yes. it you know data says it's a totally random set of cards or whatever so then when Beverly and starts then, going exactly for, you know yeah, yeah, yeah it proves eight. that something is wrong because yeah. the randomness has, has failed it's failed sense, yeah and it, it, that's, that's true it's, and it's it's interesting how the different kinds of time loop sort of stories do these, these kind of same things in a different way mm. you know the X-Files one does have the different scenes ultimately get to the same point cause and effect does have very similar dialogue and it takes different reasons to get to the same point it's a very elastic subgenre, mm-hmm. and I think that's why I think it made sense you know I mean they didn't have to do that I mean Discovery they didn't have to do that in the first no. nine episodes you know we're, we're early on and I think one of, the, one of the big issues I had with Discovery at the beginning and I'm starting to feel better about now is that it's taken a good half season to get to the point where I feel like it's Star Trek in new clothes. Yeah. I felt like it was new clothes, but I didn't always feel like it was Star Trek. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like now we've reached a point where, as we go into the season, um, mid-season finale, which will be coming out today in the US, or yeah. as we record, or tomorrow for us, um, it feels like Star Trek. And I think mm. an episode like a Time Loop episode, which is, you know, there's not one in every season, in mm. every series. There's not one. Amazingly, I don't think there's one in Voyager. And if, if there was, was going to be a show... Gonna, yeah. You'd think it'd be Voyager, but I well, don't they did. What, what about um, the? I suppose timeless. Time well, I no, suppose I was going to say where, where that very early episode where Janeway and Paris are in those sort of orange outfits. Is time there, again. Is there a oh, time maybe, that, maybe. And there's an explosion again. that's going to happen, or isn't? Yeah, but I don't know if it's. But a maybe time it's loop. not a loop. Maybe they just go back once. There's something about time travel in this city in this planet. Yeah. Where yeah, but you're right. It's not, and I, and I think it's that's the other thing. Is there's obviously there's lots of time travel stories where 
you know, even say like Terminator or something like that. But mm. I think the the loop is it's or Year it's of Hell, the, where there's yeah, there's that exactly, one where there's that yes, exactly. It is one. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's one loop that is. But that's that's but that's more of a reset button, isn't it? Exactly. It's not so much a loop as a reset button. Whereas I think what's interesting about the loop is this idea that if it's not resolved, it will just go it round and round, and it goes yeah. and it goes on, you know, millions of times potentially. Yeah. I mean, look at you know Kelsey Grammer yeah. being eighty or ninety years or whatever out of sync. It's kind of that would have been yeah hundreds yeah. of thousands at least times. Yeah. Well, even more depending on how long they were stuck in it. You know, that, mm. there wasn't. I don't much as you said as you were and you're right that there wasn't a suggestion of an exact time period for the cause and effect. Didn't strike me as being a whole day. That struck mm. me as potentially it's quite being, a short window. Yeah, yeah. maybe yeah, yeah. you know because Beverly wakes up in the night. I'd say that goes from say maybe about nine p.m. when the poker game, maybe yeah. up to say eight nine in the morning. Maybe a twelve-hour loop because they yeah, have, staff they have their meeting at seven. seven don't they? Yeah, so yeah. you can assume maybe there's a couple of hours before they encounter the anomaly. So mm-hmm. I'd say it's about twelve hours roughly. Yeah, it's not a full day. So in theory, That's interesting. Yeah, in yeah. theory, if, if it had been a similar thing for. The Bozeman's crew. Yeah. yeah. Two times a day, 365 times, 80 years. That's that's getting on for 160,000. Need Dr. Here. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I reckon it's about 160,000. calculator. <laughs> my mental care. I am genetically yeah, yeah, engineered. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a lot. It, yeah, a it, bit, is. it is a lot of things. And it, it, is, it, is, it is that, that idea of, of after that. You know. And what kind of deja vu were they suffering by then? Because I mean, if the if the next gen crew they'd been in there for what but seventeen he, days, but they didn't something? even know anything was wrong. So, that, no. that, so that's a bit of an un- that is that is weird. Yeah, that, that, he was that? like, what? You know, yeah. very confidently, it's twenty two seventy eight. Yeah, but <laughs> like, he wasn't going. We're all crazy. <laughs> Which in theory you should have been. He should have been like, oh yeah, my yeah, god, yeah. Yeah. Be a dribbling mess, rocking in his chair yeah. 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 at that point. So, I suppose you've just got to take that as a little bit of dramatic. Like, yeah, <laughs> license, but but then again, you, the, the, there are no rules in a way with this kind of story. It, mm. It's it's the concept behind it, isn't it? There's not it's not necessarily under, underpinning reality in inverted commas rules. Yeah. It's more what is the point behind telling this story, and that's the irony in that a lot of the times, if you were stuck in this groove, you would feel like there was no point. Yeah, but there always is. There always is a character point or a moral point or a theoretical science point that underpins why you're telling this story and in the case of cause and effect for instance it's that it's that as we talked about it's that idea of the slight variation that can mm. change an entire situation for two crews not just one you know? yeah well then i suppose you know if you're if you want to look for a kind of moral of the of those stories it's that you can get out you know if you're in a rut you can get out of the rut yeah you know you can think your way out of it you can decide to change something you know i suppose and in all these stories there's a situation where it appears that people have no agency or have no control over their situation and they're stuck in it but one way or another somehow they do get out of it yeah you know? and even you know groundhog day he does sort of break that curse eventually you know even in source code it has this slightly confusing happy ending because even though he's been told that he can't alter the past or whatever it sort of seems like he has yeah. and there's this kind of certainly it's you know he they escape from that kind of hell unlike funnily enough 1201pm which is the short story that supposedly kicked off this whole thing is a very bleak kind of traditional sort of sci-fi more like sort of you know Twilight Zone Outer Limitsy kind of story where, where he never gets out of it no but, and basically the end of the story he, it's become a hell for him he can't bear it he has a heart attack and dies and at least thinks oh at least I'm dead now and then he wakes up the next oh. morning <laughs> you know same thing happens to Bill Murray in Groundhog Day but, but, you know, yeah. he kills himself but eventually he gets out of it whereas in that story there's no suggestion uh, no, it's just like, and, and it's this awful thing that actually it's happening. And he says basically, it's this physical thing. It's happening to the whole world. The whole world is going through. It's called a time bounce. But he's the only person on the planet who is who aware knows. of it. Oh. Exactly. And it's that, like you were saying, it's that yeah. knowledge. It's not so much what's happening. It's, it's what's happening for everyone else. It's just kind of they're unaware they're of it. Unaware but of it. He's, he's got this knowledge which is just going to destroy him. Destroy him. And he can't even kill himself to escape from to escape, it. There's no escape. Yeah. It's a very fundamentally bleak existential idea. It is, play, yeah. Play yeah, that yeah, like that, isn't it? Definitely. It really is that existential fear of what if I'm trapped. Because it, it would feel like a hell. And I suppose that's where you do get that bigger sort of cosmic idea of, mm. as I said in Grand Old Day, is this God teaching this guy a lesson? Yeah. In this, in the other one, is is, is this guy in hell in twelve oh one? Is he is he is he is he is this essentially what hell would be? Reliving, not even reliving like, a terrible moment of your life, just reliving nothing, yeah. like reliving just pure boredom, re- or reliving, you know, that hour. Imagine reliving that hour where you don't do anything at home, yeah. where you're just sitting there 
doing nothing, yeah. right? And we've all had hours like that where you yeah. just you might be not just you're not necessarily zoned out, but you're not doing anything really. Imagine reliving that hour forever. Well, it's, it's also just you being know. detached from other people. I mean, there's um, there's a novel by Joseph Conrad called Nostromo, and one of the characters in that is this quite sort of urbane, sophisticated character, and he mm. gets sort of marooned on this desert island, and basically he kills himself after I think three days, maybe, and it. it Conrad says in this, you know, the narrator says in the story, basically he he kind of lost confidence in himself, in his own existence as a person, because there was no one else around, because he was cut off. And yeah. you know, and in fact, he would have been rescued, you know, shortly afterwards or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. it's that kind of idea of like the, the fact that the, the person who's aware of something in that way that no one else is aware of, and that they can't affect, that, that he can't affect anything permanently. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, if you're yeah, in the time yeah. loop, because whatever you do, even if you convince someone else of what's happening, the you know the clock will come round and they'll forget it and all, you'll, and you'll yeah. have to do it again. It again. And it's just the kind of futility of that that nothing you do, which I suppose is a metaphor for life, isn't it? You know, does anything that we do ever matter? Does it live beyond us? You know, even if we leave some kind of legacy, uh, it'll be forgotten in how many generations. Mm. Even if it's not, you know, even if we turn out to be Shakespeare, uh, <laughs> you know, the sun will explode and we'll all. Once you get into that yeah. sort of existential cosmic scale yeah. everything does seem very futile yeah. Um, yeah. and I suppose it's that kind of existence is futile not resistance <laughs> very good yeah. there's a title for the existence is futile yeah. <laughs> but, no, but yeah that it, is it, it. Is. Yeah. Yeah. it's a big cosmic idea yeah. which is often played out in, in nice sort of morality play terms or you know in, in Discovery's case being quite a knockabout romp really yeah. in many ways which is why it was so enjoyable yeah. I think. but a romp that allows you to see other sides to characters and allows you to yeah. you know in a way because it lowers the it lowers the stakes in terms of the danger of death because yeah, you know, yeah. people aren't really going to die uh, but it also lowers the stakes in terms of because like Tyler kisses Burnham and he says this doesn't mean anything which is quite a weird thing yeah. to say to someone when you're about to kiss them but <laughs> same time you kind of get the point he's like i can take a risk i can kind yeah. of you know we yeah. can throw ourselves into this because we know it's not going to lead to anything yeah, it's yeah. going to forget about it anyway yeah. um and also i think those scenes like i said with her and stamets in the corridor mm. there's a kind of that you know he's very affectionate and friendly towards her and you know maybe that's just his personality has changed and he's gone a bit mad anyway but also there's an element of like he can af- they can afford to be more vulnerable somehow they yeah, can afford yeah. to be they there doesn't have to be this kind of guard up the whole time because it's all going to be wiped out anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So it's it's oddly enough, it takes away some of the fear yeah. of life and that natural trepidation of should I yeah. do that? Is that are, how are they going to perceive that? You know, am I taking a risk? Basically, yeah, you know, exactly. every, every day people are afraid yeah. to take risk in whatever form. Yeah, you take away the consequence, then you you you, you know you accentuate the risk. So I think yeah, it, it allows. Really I think it's really good for writers that you get to play that you know that way yeah. you, know, you get to play those extra scenes you get to play those different scenes that you would normally do in, yeah. in an episode really or in a, in a standard drama and I think it worked well for Discovery where it was placed I think it's done I think it's done the, se- the series a lot of good actually yeah having that time of episode yeah yeah. So, and also it's good that they know that it happened I think because that's also the danger when you get those kind of reset button episodes or you kind of loopy episodes yeah. you know sometimes you have and then no one remembers it and no one knows you know and it kind of it's almost it might as well not have happened yeah, the fact yeah, yeah, that you yeah. get that scene at the end where they're like yeah Sam it's told us everything that happened yeah uh, a bit like I suppose you know you have with yesterday's Enterprise you have like Guinan telling yeah. Geordie at yeah. the end what's happened and yeah. you know so there's that kind of yeah it meant it like even, even if they don't all remember it at least they are aware of it yeah. and so it's kind of it's there it's, yeah. it's something that means something because I think the danger with time travel is that everything can become very kind of relative and very kind of this is one problem that I had with the whole temporal Cold War storyline. You know, once you get into this idea that things can just be wiped out and this can, you know, and you see it in Year of Hell, I suppose, in a way, um, there's a danger that it does to some extent just destroy dramatic tension because, you know, dramatic tension is built on the idea that things have consequences. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, yeah, we might say, OK, you know, Star Trek's always been quite episodic and things didn't necessarily follow through from week to week. But at the same time, you know, you couldn't kill a character off one week and then just forget that you'd killed them off the next no. week or whatever. Do you know what I mean? There's a... There's a well, well, maybe... Tashi <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah, but least, yeah, but they had to come up with a convoluted explanation for that, at least. You know. I don't think they ever mention her again. <laughs> I would say, right, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I know but you I mean... I know what you mean. Yeah. The, you, the, the, I think there's a danger that it um, it can kill that. So you have to sort of be yeah. careful with how you deal with that kind of thing. You do. You do. That would be my worry, I suppose, when you were saying about, like, doing a TV series with this premise mm. every week. 
I can see, like, structurally, I can see the appeal of it, and I can see it would be a challenge that maybe people would like to get their teeth into. How do we, how do we not? But it's like part of the challenge is how do I do this and not make it boring? Yeah, yeah, which very. worries me. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you're watching something, you're like, wow, they've done it again, and, they, and it's not boring. <laughs> you know, I mean, which how long is, is that going to sustain? Daybreak was really good because right, it okay. did manage to they do that. that. Yeah, they, yeah, they really yeah. did. They okay. found a way to actually tell uh, a story in, the, in that style, which was really yeah. compelling. And, okay. and you and that's when by the end of it you were like wow that really that was not easy to do yeah you know and, yeah. and that's and that that's the thing you always get with the best kind of time loop stories and Groundhog Day is a good example of it they are very complicated but you yeah. never feel like they are when you're watching it you feel you don't really if you have to if you think about the intricacy of how it was written and plotted yeah they're so dense and complicated but they make it look easy yeah they, they, there, there, is a, there is a natural ease to it and I, I think I think the best ones do that really mm-hmm. um and it is, it is a really, really compelling subgenre. So, you never know. Maybe, maybe we'll get it again in Discovery. Maybe, maybe Harry Mud will return with his time... Whatever it is. Time, time crystals. Time yeah. crystals. <laughs> I keep forgetting time crystals. Yeah. His magic time crystals. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's been uh, fun. Anyway, talking about uh, time loops, um, Duncan. It's been fun talking about time loops, uh, Duncan. <laughs> It's been fun uh, talking about time loops, uh, Duncan. It just gets better and better. <laughs> you know, that's, that Stuart Lee joke that, you know, if you repeat something enough times, it becomes it funny, becomes basically. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing that all my life. Right. Um, but, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll either be back or you will have heard our uh, episode on uh, Director's Cuts live from, uh, from London. But um, that's not all. Um, that's been happening on uh, Trek FM or our talk about uh, time loops uh, this week so let's have a little look at what else is going on on the network previously on Trek.FM the 602 Club I know I, I went all in <laughs> yeah I think uh, if I, if it came up short I think there was going to be a lot of screen caps with a lot of people I think even on podcasts <laughs> I've been throwing it all out oh this is going to be one of the best trust me on this one yeah Thor 2 ignore that this one will be the, the bee's knees as it were so yeah there was a lot of pressure right? I don't think just on Marvel and Taiki Watiti uh, but on me myself with my uh, my audacious claims Warp 5 I tweeted John Billingsy last night while I was watching this episode. I'm like, I gotta admit, if I'm alone on the ship, I'm walking around naked too. Okay, okay. All right. So that was like my next question, just getting that. And Brandon's already answered it, which, you know, I thought that would probably be his answer. To the journey! I always want to know why haven't they done a Gardener Forever movie in general? I, I, for me, that's like a, such a cool go to oh, concept. Yeah. Like, if you're gonna make a Star Trek movie, get the Guardian of Forever in there. That would be awesome. And no one has ever thought that was cool enough to do yet. So yeah. we're doing it. Yeah, I mean, it never really gets reprised that much, does it? Except, obviously, in the animated series. Uh, well, you do get the Iconian gateways later, which are a similar sort of concept, aren't they? But, but not the same. Well, they don't talk back to you. <laughs> I don't think you can travel through time with those, can you? I think they're more just space. The final frontier. These are the... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Meta Treks. I'm feeling a Star Trek Stranger Things mashup where Spock starts playing with the lights on the Enterprise and <laughs> Captain Captain Kirk strings a bunch of Christmas lights around his quarters and that, that's actually what happened in that episode of the Next Generation when there's there the dark matter pockets that was actually Spock just messing with him and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm so check out all of these shows and join in the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond you'll find us wherever you get your podcasts if you're an apple user be sure to hit the subscribe button in apple podcasts on iphone ipad or apple tv or the desktop itunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published and please do leave us a star rating and a written review at the same time if you're not an apple user we've got you covered as well you can find our shows on google play music stitcher TuneIn, spreaker soundcloud Windows Phone, and in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. If you'd also like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month, so we really appreciate any support you can give us, and we hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. 
Duncan and I would love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to get involved and do just that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. You can find Duncan and I on the Babel Conference as well, and you can find us both on Twitter, Duncan at Barrett's Books, and myself, Tony, at Black Hole Media. And you can also find me hosting my own podcast, the Xcast and X-Files podcast, if you type that into Twitter and Facebook. So thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Primitive Culture. We'll be back soon to discuss more history, culture, and how Star Trek relates to it. Blended already.